What is leadership? I've learned about it quite a bit in my life. In formal settings, I've observed it quite a bit in work and personal avenues. And there's a big aspect of kind of your nature, your nurture versus learned versus born with leadership skills, abilities. What have I learned? We're all leaders in some aspect of our life, whether we think so or not. We lead in some capacity. We lead with our behavior. We lead with how we present ourselves. We lead. Today's conversation is with someone who's been developing leaders and growing her own leadership over a really long time, and also learning how to become the authentic version of herself through that whole time. Our guest today is Christy Rutherford. You're going to hear an amazing story of someone who's moved up through the ranks, some incredible situations, has done so many positive things in her life. And I'm happy for you guys to hear it. So, if you're a leader, and you are, I highly encourage you to listen to this, share it, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and enjoy the conversation with Christy Rutherford. How are you doing today, Christy? I just got awesome. off the phone with my client in Paris. Ooh, so, uh, awesome. Yep, had somebody in Dubai this morning. I'm telling you, the leadership game is the same no matter where you go. Now, are these places that you'll have to actually visit, or it's just you're doing it over the phone? Ah, uh, I'm doing it over the phone. Awesome. Very yeah. cool. So where did you, you know, I'm interested. So where did you, how did these contacts come about for you in these different places? It's all over the world. Uh, actually, they'll, they'll, they're my, uh, this lady is my Harvard classmate. The other guy I met at Harvard, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And so our all, no, not all, all of my international clients are not Harvard people. Um, a lot of them I did meet at Harvard. Um, Grace, I met at a bar actually in January, <laughs> awesome. last, last January. So, uh, so a lot of my clients, some of them find me online. Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of the international people, if I think about them, are my Harvard classmates. <laughs> so would you say like you, we talked a little bit about it offline last time about, um, you know, the Harvard business school. And so I, w I would love to dive a little bit deeper into that in your experience there. Um, was it a big international class of people there? Yeah. Am I being interviewed right now? Yeah, we're on. We're okay, on. great. We're on. Awesome. Yep. My... Um, it was 186 people from 45 countries. So this, this program is called the program for leadership development. And it was, you have to have 10 to 15 years leadership experience to be in the class. So everybody in the class is a winner, right. <laughs> you know, right, right. so you have the people who are those people who are already leaders, those leaders that are ascending to higher levels of leadership. Some become CEOs. But everybody in the class is a winner. So, yeah, 186 people, 45 countries. And our group is the most active group where we get together. We were in Boston, uh, almost like a program for leadership development reunion where you had people who did the program 10 years ago, people who just graduated three months ago. And so we're all wow. 270 people. Last year they were in Germany during Oktoberfest. And the year before that they were in Dubai. This, this year they were in Boston. So. I see. So what's the what's the curriculum for that program? Or, and how long does it last? It was nine, nine months. Yep, nine months. So nine months, most of it was virtual. We spent four, two, two week periods on campus. So four weeks total. And then you had the option to go back for the last two weeks. And um, for another two weeks in July, so that would have made a year program to get the Harvard Business School okay. alumni status. I see. And so was it was coursework that you were doing, or what was the focus of the program? It was culture, change management, branding, finance. Uh, so it was like an executive MBA. So it was an accelerated executive MBA. So all a lot of stuff that the MBA students got, we got it in a very condensed oh, <laughs> short period of time. I see. I see. What did you take away most from the program during the time? What I needed most when I joined the program was I did not understand corporate talk. And mm. to be a leader, uh, 
freaking winner, um, Darian, who didn't, <laughs> I mm-hmm. couldn't speak that language. I, I was in a military, I was in a, I was a military officer, so I didn't speak corporate language. So I'm, I'm out here marketing myself. And so I was having a hard time being such a, yeah, I mean, I'm a leader. Let's, let's just put it out there. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. I, I'm a phenomenal leader and I can't figure out how to tell people I'm a great leader and I can help you, you know? Right. So that was my frustration. So when I ended up going to Harvard, it was, oh, that's what they call it. Culture and change management. Oh, that's what I do. You know? So it was, right. I got the language of this is what I'm doing. So it actually catapulted my business because now I speak their language and I learned that leadership principles are relevant around the world. So when I talk about my client in Paris and the one in, you know, the Netherlands and New Zealand mm-hmm. and the UK, Singapore, the leadership game is the same no matter where you are. So what was the language? What was the language that, what was the disconnect that you, what did you learn that helped bring that together? Uh, really, I think it was about one, having awareness and a lot of awareness in myself. And, and understanding that I could do it because if I haven't demonstrated it fully yet, then of course, if I'm talking to you and I'm, and I'm looking to say, I, I can help you, then my voice is going to flicker. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not so sure. But then being able to do case studies because the, the program is centered around a lot of case studies mm. and seeing that, leaders and, and studying companies, you know, in Japan or China or the U.S. that, you know, J.P. Morgan or these other large companies, their leadership game is the same. So it kind of solidified in my mind what I had been thinking all along. And, and it gave me that confidence to now speak that, to speak that language and to talk really about leaders at the root level and, and be vulnerable with them from my standpoint. So... Your phone is a... Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. Okay. So, so, and then also, you know, from the stuff that I learned about being, because I, I was an executive level leader. So a lot of times when I think about leadership development and, and leadership coaches per se, a lot of people, right or wrong, everybody has a hustle. But if you've never really been a leader, Darian, then you don't really know my secrets. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, right. You're, you're polishing my leadership facade but my personal person human being is suffering so Mm. a lot of times when you think about leaders who are nobody wants to say i'm drowning and i'm suffering and i hate my life or i hate my job or i'm exhausted and i'm tired and i'm overextended and i don't i don't know how to lead you know women or i hate my coworker, or i hate my boss and help Mm -hmm. me with that stop I don't need time management. Like I was talking to somebody earlier and they were like, no, no, I, I, I need time management. I need better habits. And I'm like, no, 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 you, you need to accept where you are right now. And you're not necessarily excited about where you are in life right now. And until you own that, yes. time management is going to do nothing for you. And that's totally agree. Can, yeah. Yeah. That's where we're not being helped. We can't, nobody's given us permission to be miserable in our success. (laughs) Why do you think that is? Why do you think people aren't feeling that permission? Um, you mean giving us permission or, or us seeking? Why aren't people not being vulnerable about where they're at and that they might be miserable? Why aren't they being vulnerable about that? Because we're not allowed to, leaders aren't allowed to be miserable. You're, you're the superhero in everybody's fantasy in, in your family. (laughs) You're the person who made it. How dare you say you're unhappy and you're driving a Jaguar? I mean, right, if, right, right, yeah. right. Who, who are you going to tell your 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 coworkers so they can stab you in the back? That's not going to happen. Or you're going to tell your subordinates that well they admire where you are. How how dare you say I've made it, you know, to a part of the kingdom and I don't want to be here anymore? And so a lot of people, what I've learned, suffocate in their success because. You can't tell anybody you hate it. <laughs> right. Nobody cares. You that, right. I mean, the outside world, everybody goes, you got it great. Look at you. You got yeah. this amazing house. Look at this car you have, or the job you have, or the, this empire you've built. And then on the outside, inside, they're like, I'm very unhappy. I, it's, yep. I was just talking to my client about Case Bay. And, um, you know, Case Bay had it all, quote unquote. 
She, right. I, I mean, Kate Spade is a household name. People, like, what more could you want? Pass the money. You, there are stores with her name on them. Yeah. Your people are walking around with her name on them. On them. On them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're a worldwide luxury brand. She's not Walmart. You are a worldwide renowned luxury brand where it's your name, not, you know, Amazon, right? Jeff Bezos right. is Kate Spade is plastered on millions of people around the world. Yet she was not happy. Right. There was deep suffering there because who wants to know who can Kate Spade say to I'm not happy. And right. can you help me, the human who is suffering in my misery, regardless of what you say I have or how I should feel? Nobody helped her with that. They were only talking to her success brand that she created. Nobody right. helped the suffering soul that was, you know, that person. And that's where we're getting this leadership thing twisted. This, this is why people are miserable. This is why people can't admit that they're miserable. This is why people are committing suicide. You know, and, I'm, and that's not like a blanket statement, but this is why a lot of executive level people are losing everything um, or imploding or just dying and giving up is because they can't truly admit or they feel lost and they're taking prescription drugs or they're drinking every night because you're trying to soothe something that Instead of just standing in your truth and saying, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, I, I'm going to change. But if you're not even willing to admit because you're not given permission to just stop and say, I hate it. I think it's interesting. Like people, you see that somebody who maybe the definition for somebody's success is that look at all these things they have and all this money and all these possessions. And then when they see that they're unhappy, they go, well, how could they be unhappy? Look at all these things they have. Yeah. And they never look behind the curtain further yeah. than their possessions or these other things. Well, it's not even looking behind the curtain, Darian. It's, yeah, I was, I gave this example this morning where if you, where I said, if somebody called you and said, hey, I'm going to buy you a plane ticket to, to come to Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. I said, what's the first question that you think they're going to ask? And then he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, all right, like, where are you? <laughs> you know I mean, you know, that's the first question. Right. I'm here to, to, to buy you a flight to Amsterdam. They have to know where you are. Yeah. And you're standing in Times Square and, and, you're, and you're not admitting that. Does that make sense? So yes. how do I know how to help you and where you're going and how to get to Amsterdam if you're not going to admit where you are. Well, I wish I was in Boston, but you're not. Yeah. Well, you know, if I wasn't married, I would be in Vegas right now. But, but you're you not are. in Vegas. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. There is, there is trash in Times Square, and then there's also very nice stuff. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is also very true. <laughs> it smells like fresh baked bread in Times Square, and it also <laughs> smells like crap. It so does. it doesn't matter how you got to Times Square, right? Like, well, I got dropped off in a helicopter. It don't matter if you walked, if you took the bus, if you took a trailways, or if you took a if you took a jet. It doesn't matter how you got to New York. So we we're so miserable, and we blame ourselves and beat ourselves up and spend so much energy in I should be here. How did I get here? Blah 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 blah. If I only change, it doesn't matter how you got to New York. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. What matters is you can't get to Amsterdam until you get clear on I'm standing in the middle of Times Square right now. <laughs> right. Right. It smells like crap, but it also smells like fresh baked bread. Right. Yeah. It, it, I see homeless people and I also see people walking around in $10,000 suits and $2,000 shoes and a $15,000 purse. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Very true. Certainly. Don't Certainly. judge it. Admit it and say, okay, well, now I need an Uber to get to the airport. <laughs> yeah, and then, right. you know, so anyway, right. that's the example I gave him today. And, and, uh, and he got it. Like, dude. It made it, sense to him. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. So you were talking a little bit about, you know, that 
that disconnect or, you know, you need to speak the language and you were a military officer. You showed me a pretty funny, I thought it was very a simple explanation, but I thought it was pretty funny of why you went into the Coast Guard. You wanted a little bit, you had a friend that was in the Coast Guard, I mean, the Coast Guard, correct? Is that what it was? I did. Mm-hmm. And they had a car that you liked, wasn't mm-hmm. that? And you said, I want that car. Yeah, my friend, I wrote my friend's letters when she was, we, we played softball together and she went into the Coast Guard and I would write her letters. This is back in the day. I still, I still have those letters that she wrote me and, um, and I don't know if she still has letters that I wrote her, but I used to write her letters because, you know, you're at summer camp, you know, love it, yeah. <laughs> enjoy it. And she came back to college the first day of school driving a Mitsubishi 3000 GT. And I was like, and, and, and the young kids, because they don't make them anymore. And yeah. I'm like, that's just like you being a broke college student, because we were broke college students. These college students, they are rich, but we were broke, <laughs> right? Like, you know, calling, calling uh, home saying, can you send me $20? But Yeah, I remember um, that. <laughs> yeah. So she came to school driving that car and she and she hit me with it because that's what we do. But she like bumped me as I was walking down the sidewalk. I was like, what mm-hmm. is going on? And I said, you know what? I don't care what the Coast Guard is. I want that money. And uh, that's why I joined. <laughs> wow. So after you <laughs> after that happened, what did you learn about your time in the Coast Guard? What was profoundly did you learn about that experience? I learned a lot. I learned that um, I, I lived a life of adventure. I, I had somebody, his daughter called me a couple of weeks ago and asked me about what was it like to be in the Coast Guard. And I said, do you want the good, bad, or ugly? <laughs> she said, I want all of it, right? The right. good part is I chased drug runners in the Caribbean. You know, I, I was a part of that. I was a part mm-hmm. of catching four sets of Bahamians and Jamaicans with two tons of marijuana and then a set of Colombians with two tons of cocaine. You know, so we chased them. Right. That's exciting. And I visited different islands and I've seen water spouts, which are basically tornadoes in the middle of the ocean. And, you know, I've seen people jump and, uh, you know, in the ocean to swim. I didn't do that because I was watching when animals attack. And (laughs) (laughs) You're like, no thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And and being from a small town in South Carolina, those experiences that we, my family has not been exposed to. And I got all of that in a two year period. And, you know, being on a ship and living on a ship, right, with 145 people and making harmony and being and trying to figure out how to be a leader. I was a leader, a young leader who had people who were 20 years older than me. How do I now influence them to get the work done when I know nothing and they know it? So that taught me a lot and then responded to Hurricane Katrina. So I lived a life of adventure where and, and, and since we were emergency responders, we don't know whether or not a ship is going to sink or hit a bridge or catch on fire or a cruise ship. So, so every day was different. So you couldn't predict, right. you know, what was going to happen the next day. And so that was great. Now, being in an organization where I was one of 50, 50 was a high number, black women officers out of 47,000 people. So to be uh, the only woman or person of color or, you know, for heaven's sakes, the only woman of color, Right. In a room of 250 white men and not blink is what it is. And to have people not respect you when you walk in a room based on that was my biggest challenge. When I walk in a room, officers are supposed to be given respect, but I always have to earn it. And, and I think that in, in a part of leadership, most people walk in a room and they're and they're automatically given respect. And we're automatically disrespected. Right. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? And, and how do I manage how I see myself and how do I manage my leadership presence? And sometimes I didn't. Sometimes I had to kick a door in and turn the table over and yeah. throw a chair for you to freaking give me what I want. And and that was tough. And that um How was that received when you know when you were moving in that with that approach? How was that received? What's interesting is I, I my first two days of my last of my last position I was pretty senior. Now I've made it to the you know to the C suite right. I've made it to the boardroom the mm-hmm. the every the morning meeting and in my career that was my if I can make it, if I can only make it to the boardroom right if I can only make it to the eight o'clock meeting then I've made it and that was a rite of passage for you know uh, uh, the the numbers were skewed at that level for black officers and. When I got there, I remember the first day, I'm in charge because I'm a senior leader. 
Mm-hmm. And and the challenge therein is every I used to move every two three years, so there wasn't a uh, an environment or a culture where I established myself, and there's this long standing reputation. Every time I moved, I had to start over again. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Yes. And so I thought that yeah, when when I left because I actually worked for Elijah Cummings, and when I left Capitol Hill and went to this job, I'm now a senior leader, considered you know uh, a senior leader. And I thought that just me having that would make them listen. And the first, the first two days I am going to a meeting, this is during the BP oil spill and the oil started to show up on the, on the beaches in yeah. Texas. And uh, the meeting was an hour. Nobody would listen. I'm talking. People are talking while I'm talking. People were outside. And, uh, and they didn't care. And, and I'm trying to be nice because I thought, and this is when I got my coaching certification, so I went back to being my authentic self. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That lady that I had been searching for, I ride unicorns and I like rainbows and butterflies yeah. and, you know, uh, green clovers and all these things. I live on a Lucky Charm planet and I found that lady that life buried and, and she went to work and put on her uniform and nobody listened. <laughs> mm, <laughs> right. And that was two days. And I, on the third day, I sat at my desk and I said, this, this can't happen because... I'm busy and, and they're not showing you respect. And, and I say, Chrissy, you know what you have to do? And I'm like, I don't want to, but let's just test it. So I went down on the third day and I physically kicked the door open. I had, you know, <laughs> with boots, right? Yeah. And yeah. I started kicking ASS and taking names. I was popping <laughs> my fists. I'm dropping F-bombs. I'm yeah. like, you get your MF and ASS up in here. And I'm just, yeah. I'm going ham. And the meeting was 10 minutes. And they said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, and ma'am. boom, and they were gone. Oh, you were disappointed okay. because was, you had to be that way? Is that what it was? Yeah, I, I was disappointed because I didn't want to do that. And, and for the first 10 years of my career, I unconsciously gave away parts of who I was to fit in. Does that make yes. sense? Yes. And I finally got that lady back, and she was awesome, and she uh, felt good, and she smelled good, and she was just so freaking happy and weird. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. And now... I am consciously giving her up. And that, that was a problem. And, and I lasted another two years. I mean, you know, what I think about, I, I resigned with three and a half years left to, to retire with a full pension. I would have retired in 2016. I should be getting right. a check right now. And, um, but it was because it, it, was, it was 100 factors that went into that decision to, to, to walk away. But at, at a certain part, of, I, I didn't like who I had become because now I'm consciously yeah. giving it away. And, and now I have to look at this lady in the mirror and I have to answer to, to myself and say, you're no longer authentic and I hate you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trouble. <laughs> that, I think so. I think sometimes people would think they have to be a certain way to be successful, but then they give up their authentic version of themselves to become this thing that they want to be. They think they want to be. Well, I think it's some 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 cultures make you. Does that make sense? No, I you know I totally get yeah. that. This, I totally the environment pushes you towards. Yes, that. yeah. So if if I, I don't I don't regret any of it. I mean, not not one day because if I regretted any of the decisions that I made, then I'll regret the mentees. I, I mentored. I have to count. It's seventy or ninety people. I, but once you get over fifty, it doesn't really matter. But right, I right. toward seventy people in addition to the hundred and sixty that work for me. And if I regretted any part of my career, then they wouldn't be who they are right now. So I don't regret right. anything. But that's not a culture that a lucky charm woman belongs in. <laughs> right. You had to make a decision that you couldn't survive in that forever. I yeah. mean, even you, we would be counterintuitive to who you are. But when I think about when I when I when I look at leaders today, Darian, the, the problem is they I believe that's who I was. Right. Mm. A, a lot of people don't have that mid break. The, the my coaching certification woke me up to Chrissy. This is not who you are. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I always ask, are you who you are or are you who life made you? Right. Right. Life made me somebody completely different. A lot of people forgot who they are and they're settling for who life made them. And I'm saying, no, 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 come back. You don't, it doesn't have to be like this. Yeah. Yeah. Come back to yourself. And now, you know, that's what I was just working on my client with stand in the truth of who you are and let the chips fall where they may, because we've been lying for so long. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And we believe the lie. That's so interesting. I really think um, it's an interesting perspective because I think, you can get so far from home base 
and you forget what it's like to be where you where you were. And I did it. Yeah, right. You just go, I was that person. Why am I not that person anymore? What has pushed me to become this? I would sit at my desk and say, Christy, and, and I would sit at my desk. I bought this Tivana. You know, Tivana is a good Oh, enough, yes. But yes. I had this butterfly teacup from Tivana, and I would try to steep loosely tea at my desk and, and, and have this Tupelo honey and say, Christy, you're not a barbarian. And because I, I would cuss, <laughs> not curse, I would cuss you, O U T, baby. And yeah. I'm a military officer, right? And they started it. But uh, and I was and I would try to and I would try to enjoy and I had a picture of Michelle Obama, <laughs> uh-huh. right, in yeah. my office to say, Christy, be like Michelle, <laughs> be like her, right? I can be like her. <laughs> She's so poised. Get your poise in order, girl. And I'm like, nah, I can't. Uh, so so then there become there there comes this battle between. I, they're making me be this way. I really want to enjoy this tea, and I'm faking. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's not who I am. So I, I'm, I'm trying to be Michelle or I'm trying to drink tea and I'm cussing you out. Well, I forgot who I was. I really like coffee and I love Michelle Obama, but I'm the best version of Christy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard when the environment pushes you to be like that and it's effective. Yes. That's the hard part. It oh, feels really like effective. it's like, wow, wow, <laughs> this actually works, but I don't want to be like this. <sighs> Yeah. That's an interesting dichotomy. It's different. Like you're you're being like that, and it doesn't work, but it's working. It's yeah. they actually then they're like they're respecting it then, or so what they believe that they're respecting is, and then you just you just seem like you got to a point where you're like I cannot do this anymore. Well, you know, I remember when I first got there, I was I was happy because I found my I found a unicorn lucky charm lady, right? And she was yeah. lost, and so I'm I'm like fully embracing this lady, and so I would I remember. I would be at the at the desk with the admin women um, and and I would be laughing and they would just stare at me. <laughs> yeah. And I and, and I cracked a lot of jokes. I, I used to be a class clown in 1988 and 93. So I I'm a natural <laughs> joke teller and I would tell them jokes and they would just stare at me in fear and terror because and I would be like, come on, man. I know y'all know that was funny. And they would not laugh. <laughs> And when I walked away, it was two women who were there, one of them who I was on my ship with when I first joined. So I was wide open, right? Yeah. And, and they were like, what's wrong with her? You know, because my position, people who are in my position are supposed to be the tight, you know, face. Yes, yes. A-holes and who, who didn't have fun and who were always serious. And here I am coming in joking and laughing and riding unicorns and they would just stare at me and they wouldn't laugh. And when I walked away, they were like, What's wrong with her? And they were, and so these two other women who used to work with me, they were like, that's who she is. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. I'm shocked that 20 years later, she's still, or not 20 years later, it was uh, 60 years later, she's still acting like that, but that's who she is. And, um, and over time, when I became, and I just wrote an article on this, but when I became the Wicked Witch of the West, who they expected, that brought them comfort because so sometimes a culture in organizations, and I've seen it in different cultures around the world, right, would drive you to be this mold where we're almost cookie cutter and you have to determine whether or not that's going to work for you. And I didn't want to be the Wicked Witch of the West. That's, that's, you, you took the nice witch, Glinda, and you made yes. her the Wicked Witch, and I didn't want that. Yeah. Was that, the, was that the hardest part about your experience there? Was there other things that were just really challenging, or was that really the crux of it for you? I think for me, well, the job was for me, uh, a workaholic <laughs> who mm-hmm. loves to get results and win. The 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 best parts was being able to to take leaders who were giving you know fifteen twenty percent and then making them high performers and giving one hundred twenty percent. The best thing was taking young guys who didn't know their potential and showing them what they were really made of. And now you know, 10 years on the other side of it, watching them thrive. It's, it's, I I love that. The hardest part was uh, arguing. I I thought that when I made it to the eight o'clock meeting that I had made it right. When I finally got my seat at the table, I I won. The, The hardest thing was I had to defend that seat every day. So it was the mismanaged expectation. Mm. I thought that I arrived. No, no, no. I tell people a nightmare on Elm street began every day at eight o'clock. I spent my whole, (laughs) 
career wanting to get to the eight o'clock meeting because that would mean that I made it. I didn't know that I was going to have to defend that seat every day and to yes. have to have mentors. My mentors were men, white men and black men. And I didn't have any women mentors because it wasn't that many of us. And nobody could prepare me for what it was like. None of the men prepared me for what it was like to be a woman of color in the room. And that was tough. So there were mismanaged expectations. So I didn't, I didn't think that I had to fight to do my job. <laughs> right. Know? I didn't think I had to fight you to be credible in what I'm an expert in, where you're going to question what I know when I'm an expert. That was the toughest part was I had to fight and continue to demonstrate when I had been fighting my whole career. So I think a part of it was when I was making the decision to leave, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, I thought that if I worked hard in my twenties and if I cussed you out, <laughs> talked about your yeah. mama and, <laughs> you know, was aggressive or, I, <laughs> you know, if I do these things in my twenties, then when I get to a certain point, I don't have to do it. And I finally reached that point and I was still doing it. And I'm like, wait, this is crazy. I quit. <laughs> You're done. Yeah. <laughs> wait, this this is madness. It's not. It's not you. It's me. I thought that that it would be different, and you're. And it's actually worse because when I didn't know anything, you treated me like crap. Now I know some stuff. You're still treating me like crap. You're still so what do I need? Yeah. yeah. What do I need for you to stop treating me like crap? Wow. So that was the hardest thing. Is that I never. I never got what I thought. And, and this is what we're doing, Darian. We're always seeking. I lost the ability to value myself because I put it in the hands of other people. Right. I lost the ability to see my value and my contributions, regardless of how many, you should see my wall, I, regardless of how many awards. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have plastered all over the wall. Regardless of, you know, military people, we wear our resumes on our shirts. I had so many medals, I would walk in a room, people would get pissed off. Right. Right. So I'm like, wait, when I didn't have any, you discounted me. Now that I have more than you, now you're mad and you're wondering, how did I get that? So I'm That's never strange. Yeah. I'm never accepted. You're never going to give me the gold star. How, what do I need to do? Oh, I went too far. Well, what if I take this one off? W would you accept me now? So I'm seeking acceptance and approval from people who were never supposed to give it to me so I lost it so I have no approval I don't approve of myself because I don't recognize myself mm -hmm. I'm not getting the approval that I'm seeking in this position because y'all are still pissing me off and saying something I'm not getting the approval that I thought I would get and when I wear my resume proudly on my shirt I'm actually getting comments where the people are nasty about it now like they're making verbal comments like how did you get that <laughs> yeah <laughs> because, come yeah. on how did that happen to you yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like as you know, they don't give these away in, in, in a um, in a bubblegum machine. So they know that right. I earned that. And then uh, to this. So so now I have to defend what I've earned. So why am I working hard and working 80 hours a week to earn what you're never going to appreciate? And I can't appreciate it because I hate my life. I work 80 hours a week. <laughs> right. This is stupid. Totally. This is the craziest thing ever. And I think back to it. I'm like, Chrissy, you. But there it is. So many people are caught in the cycle. And that's yes. when, I, when I think about leadership and leadership training and what I talk about. Even in my keynotes, it doesn't matter where I go. I, I don't say the same thing. I, I'm talking, I'm telling the same story because a lot of leaders are trapped in the exact same thing. And, and that's what leadership trainers and keto speakers and all these people and coaches, you're not, you're not talking to my secret. That is, that is our secret. I know the secret because I did it. So when I say it, they're like this. Oh, my God, I thought I was by myself. No, no, no. All right, right. Now let's let's go ahead and climb out of that hole. Right. Well, I want to ask you too. Was you know, leadership is such a uh, important theme to what we're talking about here. How was that? How was leadership? The work you've done in leadership affected your personal life and how your interactions with people in various relationships in your life personally? Uh, the challenge, you mean, what, what do you mean personal? How personal? Well, just in personal, we can get, uh, well, we can get very personal, but I want to be respectful. <laughs> I'm just saying, which, which one do you want? Yes, about I want to hear about, friend, about friendships, guy, family, about friendships, family, romantic relationships, the different levels of relationships. How has your work in leadership affected that? I think from a from a family standpoint, this is what actually one of my clients has been working on is 
T.D. Jake said, all great leaders were misfits. And mm. because you can't fit in with the people that you were called to lead. Like, every great leader has always been a misfit. Like, we never fit. So I didn't, I love my family, but I never fit in with my family. <laughs> I see. In what way? In what way? I, I, I'm, I'm different. I'm loud. I'm uh, um, <laughs> louder. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm, I'm the first, one of the first people in my family to go to college. So right. I, my ambition is unmatched and the desire to not say no or, or to not hear no or take no as a definite mm. and to, uh, to seek greater and to take risk and to step outside of my comfort zone and to go on a ship and be in the middle of the ocean, you know, so the, the, the desire for adventure is a little different coming from somebody from a small town in South Carolina. I see. Yeah. And not being satisfied with where I am, it's because I know that there's always more. Mm-hmm. And it's it's tough. And, and so, but I'm not the only one. And so that was, so that's the part of family. I love my family and, and they love me, but I still don't fit. <laughs> right, right. I'm 24. <laughs> you know, so yeah. a part of my growth and development this, actually this month has been accepting that you're never going to fit, Christy. <laughs> right. Some people are just diametrically different. Hey, you know, it's okay. You know? You're 44. It's, just give it up. And <laughs> Do you feel like you were trying to want to fit oh, in yeah. that arena? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was it last week, my friend, my, you know, one, of my, one of my coaches who's a friend also, basically broke it down and I was, I was in shock, right? Like, I didn't know that that's what I was always thinking and unconsciously. And Chris, it's never going to happen. And I mourned that reality of what right. I was seeking for like three days. And then I said, okay, you got to get over it. It's, it's, it's been too long. But then I, right after that, I was able to help a client with the exact same thing. Does that make sense? Yes. So yes. we're like, girl, you are never going to fit. Uh, <laughs> and that's okay. So, so now what? Yeah. And, and if Jesus wasn't a prophet in his own land, <laughs> if, right. if Paul had, if Paul said, God, remove this thorn from my side. What was Paul's thorn? Maybe he didn't fit in with his family. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and God said, my grace is sufficient. Keep moving. So if I fit in, then that means I have to shrink back. And and shrinking, you know, large or small, there is no necessarily comparison. But I can't serve the world from that place. Yeah. So if my job for you is to impact leaders around the world and you're trying to seek comfort in a place that's too small for you to impact to do what I told you to do and do what I called you to do, my grace is sufficient. Keep that thorn on your side and keep moving. That's what yeah. we got to. I had to, I had to right. put a bust description there. So that was you that. Did. <laughs> hey, you I did. You did. I love it, man. Take this thorn out. <laughs> He's like this. Mm-mm, keep it moving. No, no. We're good. Come on. <laughs> Um, the, the second part relationships, well, um, relationships are awesome. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm always dated somebody. Just nobody ever knows. I just, I've always keep, you know, keep my stuff private, but it's, uh, to, to be a coach, I think it's tough because I always want to coach and I have to sit back and be like, right. I'm going to watch you do this and I'm not going to say all <laughs> Or if somebody asks, I'd be like this, please don't. If, I mean, do you really want to know? Because I could, I, you know, I'm a coach. I put stuff together. I, I, I do, you know, I was never really good at equations and statistics, but, and formulas. But for me, I can put life experiences together. Does that make sense? And I can put yes. a formula out of, okay, this plus this plus this minus this plus this plus this is going to equal this. So don't ask me unless you want to know. Do you really want to know? And what I found out, Darren, is that they really don't want to know. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to stop talking be like this. Nope. Um, but it was tough. If I'm working 80 hours a week during my career, how am I going to meet somebody when, unless they're chained to my desk? <laughs> right. Right. So, so that was tough. But now it's, it's I mean, it's easier. But uh, the last part, when I think about, well, friends, I'm only talking to friends who we have to speak life into each other. I, I have nobody in my circle now who tells me what I can't do. They're, they're all gone. So 95% mm-hmm. of my circle has changed because I'm a dreamer and I'm a doer and I can't allow people to say, if I say I want to do something, they say, well, that's crazy. Or who do you think you are? Or you're not, it's not going to work. I, I, I can't, I want somebody to say, uh, go for it. And then when I fail, they, they say, okay, now get up. Yeah. 
Totally get that. Yeah. Um, And I think a a greater challenge, what I've learned as an entrepreneur and a leader, the the biggest challenge that I have is I, my, my greatest gift is I don't see you for who you are. I see you for who you can be in your fullest Mm -hmm. potential. So one of my clients is now the CEO of hotels for the second richest man in Asia, one of my Harvard classmates. And he said, Christy, Christy, when you first met me, how did you see me? I said, I saw you for who you are right now. He's like, no, 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 no. you don't understand my question. I said, no, I do understand your question. Yeah. (laughs) You saw him being what he is now. Yeah. I saw who you are. And it's the same thing with my junior leaders who I mentored it was 2012, 2010. These guys just come sit in my office for three hours a night. And I would say, and, and they would ask me a gazillion questions. And, and I'm grateful that they did that because I didn't know that my time was limited. Does that make sense? Yeah. And these guys are killing the game right now. And they're all still in. They all plan to leave. And they're all in. And they're all these senior leaders. And when I meet people, I'd be like, hey, I want so-and-so to, you know, I want you to mentor so-and-so. And they say, no problem. Because it, it, was, that, it was that give. So in leadership, now I'm doing the exact same thing. People say, how long have you been doing this? I'm like, teaching people how to win? 20 years. Now, the challenge is when I hire people, this is what I had to learn as an early entrepreneur, I don't see who you, who you are, Darren. I see who you can become, but I paid you full price. <laughs> <laughs> that is the challenge. Right? <laughs> I'm paying you for your potential, and you're not delivering, and I'm wondering why. It's because that's the bit of problem, or I'm now introducing people to, um, you know, I see companies. Yeah. I see some startups and I'm like, hey, and I know people who are investors and, and, and I'm like, hey, you know, here's a company, da, 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 da. And they're asking me these questions and I'm like, oh, crap, I, I can see the potential in the company. I didn't look at the numbers. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, not solidly because I want this person to win and I see the numbers, but I can't see I can't see you for who you can become because I believe that if you get this money, then you're going to shoot towards the sky. I'm not yeah. looking at the volatility of what you created. Does that make sense? Yes, of course. I see that your building is a little dicey and it might is a little shaky. And yeah, you got some wood over here where there should be metal. But I believe if you get this money, this money, you're gonna make it metal and you're gonna win. That's 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 how I see it. And and the people that I'm introducing them to is like, do you not see that piece of wood there where there should be metal? And I'm like, I it's not a big deal. And I'm like, no, that is. It's a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They're like, wait, 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 no. no. Yeah. Yeah. So so it, this and this happened, I think, about two, three weeks ago. And I'm like, come on, Christy. So I have to uh I I love an underdog story. I love a winning story. I love people living in full potential, but I'm having to shift you know, my mindset and, you know, and that was my coach that I was talking to, um, to, to, to be able to get clarity on it's, it's tough. It's a tough balance, but I have, this is something that I have to consciously do is not, I'm not going to unconsciously do that. Right. But that's funny. But that's funny. He was like, do you not see that? I'm like, well, you know, they have so much potential. I think they can win. They're like, not with yeah. my money. He's like, don't, <laughs> don't mess with me. Don't mess with me. This yeah. is where we're at right now, yeah. just so you know. <laughs> I'm looking at it as a leader and start dissecting this thing as a business person. And I'm like, oh, but my natural tendency is to be the leader. Does that make sense? Yes. So what was the transition into keynote speaking? I know we, we, we talked very briefly about that last time we were talking. But what has that been like for you and getting into that world as you push further and further into it? I've been speaking on stages since 2004, 2005, mm-hmm. and in the Coast Guard, it was a part of my job to to be on stage right. and speaking at national and international conferences and doing these things. The hardest thing, I think, after I left, when I when I resigned, <clears throat> I burned out. <laughs> That's pretty much what happened. Like the real, it depends on on how I tell the story. I, you know, I can tell it a gazillion yeah. different ways, but eventually, what happened was I burned out. When I stopped, I exploded in a thousand pieces. And because I, I never managed the train wreck behind me. <laughs> right, right. And the, and the chickens came to roost, baby. And I burned out. And it took me three and a half years to get it back together. And I was a high achiever. I was going to win. And I was going to fight you. <laughs> I was going to fight the system. And I was going to mentor 70 people and get results for the 160 mm-hmm. and set national standards and you know, all these things. And, and I burned out. 
And when I finally got it back in, you know, I started writing books first because books are very private. And, and then I, you know, was now I can actually coach you on who I am. I was trying to do coaching when I was burning out. And the people were like, I like you, girl, but I can't pay you a dollar because you sound a little crazy. And I was like, okay. <laughs> You're like, all right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah. yeah. And so keto is that last element. And I think a lot of times when people, about two years ago, I was trying to do it all. I'm writing books. I'm going to do these events. And I'm coaching. Mm-hmm. And keto, so nothing was working because I'm, I'm giving 20% effort to five things. And last year I got a coach and I made the conscious decision. I, I, I'm just going to do one thing. I'm going to give hundred percent to one thing. And then my, my coaching business, which should have been, should have taken off bigger, didn't take off as much because I'm, I'm trying to do too much. And so once I, I burn a hole in that and that was good because I, I have a steady stream of clients that now I can add keynote. So it's the same. It's the, uh, I'm speaking about really the lessons that I've learned and my goal when I do keynotes is not to come in and, and it's, I, I don't speak from a script. None of my keynotes are the same. Mm-hmm. I have a framework for what I'm going to talk about, but I t- yeah, I'm a storyteller, so I could tell a gazillion different stories. And I'm, I'm reading the women in the room. And I spoke at an investment news conference in Boston a couple of weeks ago, a couple months ago. And I said, uh, I, I, I could talk about three things with y'all. <laughs> right. I can get up here. We could talk about the gender wage gap. Uh, we could talk about diversity and inclusion. I said, oh, we could talk about how crazy I know y'all are. Which one do y'all want to talk about? And they were like, number three, number three. We're like, okay, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's talk about the secrets. So a lot of times what I talk about is it's the secret. It's, it's, I know that you have people sucking the life out of you. I know as a leader that you don't know how to say no. I know as a leader that you are not prioritizing your time properly because you're not only a leader in, at work, you're a leader at home, you're a leader in the community, mm-hmm. you're a leader in your family. And you're, and you're serving everybody but yourself. And so when I call the three keys to unlocking your next level of success or the three keys to unleashing your greatest potential, it's not, I'm not telling people to do anything. I'm telling people to do less because we're already doing too much, Darian. <laughs> you know, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I yeah. literally talk to people about that all the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, we're doing too much. So it's, it's how can I give you permission to stop doing too much. How can I give the, and it was a, a young lady who was in, I think she's about 30. She was funny. And she said, and I was, I was telling them, teaching them the art of saying no and stop volunteering for stuff that's not in your job description because the men are getting <laughs> promoted and the women are doing all the extra stuff and we can't go out and play golf and play basketball to these extra activities because we volunteer for all these extra things that don't matter. So we're surrendering uh, relationship building opportunities because we're we're too busy trying to drive results and the men keep getting promoted and they don't have the same results and so while I was teaching that she said a lady in my or text her said hey do you want to do such and such and she said no and the lady was like what do you mean no <laughs> you yeah. know? And she's like somebody is in front of me right now telling me to say no and so I'm gonna say no and so my goal when people come out of the keynotes is I'm giving them you know, I say write down three people right now that you need to stop talking to. And they're like, what do you mean? Write down three people who are freaking using you. Just see it for what it is, Darren. It's the truth. These people are yeah. using you and they're, and they're uh, sucking your time and, and your energy. And you can't say you spend two hours on the phone complaining about your life every day and you don't have time to invest in your dreams. That's a lie. So to really give people the clarity on what they're doing to I, I am who I needed 10 years ago. Does that make sense? Yes. To, to be able to say it with clarity, to be able to say it unapologetically, to be able to say it without, I'm not embarrassed. This is, I'm transparent because I can only teach you what I know and what I understand, but, and, and I want to save you from you. Yeah. And so it's so interesting. I think people, when they are, when you say, hey, you know, these people are weighing you down or they're just not in your best interest. People have a hard time releasing themselves from that. You know, whether they have these long-term relationships with somebody that's been very detrimental to them, they kind of hang on to it. Even sometimes when you tell them and, you know, you don't look at it that way sometimes like, hey, if I start surrounding myself with better people that are more towards what's best for me, then I, I will be better. They just keep having these emotional hang-ons with people maybe that they've known for a really long time. And it's difficult for them to, tr- to release that in their life. Well, it depends if, you know, one of the things when, when I'm doing coaching and, and we're talking about people is they do that because they can't see it, how it, they can't see how it affects them. Right. So I talked about right. the formulas. 
when you understand that you want to go for this and your sister said this and then you did this and then get the result that you wanted. <laughs> right? right. That's so now the let's track it yeah. back. Yeah. The, the, you know, for the past 15, 20 years and, oh, well, maybe I should now insert new habit, <laughs> you know, or new action mm-hmm. to create a different result. And so if you stop calling this friend who's doing this and once they see and, and when it's an immediate result, that gives them permission to, to continue on. And, and when so many times we think that other people should change before we can be free. But once you start to get like when I think about if you start to feel joy, where if you've been in darkness for so long and you get that one ray of light, when somebody comes and insert darkness, now you can see them. Does that make sense? Yes. Where if you're in darkness and they're in darkness, y'all are the same. You know, Mm -hmm. they're a loser, you're a loser. (laughs) And once you get that one ray of hope, and and typically when people invest their time or their money, whether it's an event or whether it's coaching or, you know, whatever it is, when you start to feel that ray of sunshine on you and you're like, oh, my God, just like, you know, in coaching, right? I haven't felt this this in 10 years. Yeah. What do I need to do to keep it? So now it becomes, what can I do to get more sun? Mm-hmm. Oh, I need to do this. I need to do this. And when somebody comes and they throw shade, quote unquote, throw shade, you're like, wait a minute, you're you're blocking my sun. I've seen the sun. Yeah. <laughs> now there's a decision, right? Now it's, am I going to allow this person to block my shade? But most leaders, because I only work with winners, are like, oh no, you got to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you say, wait a minute. And then, and then when you get more sun, you're like, wait a minute, who else is blocking my sun? And that's mm. when you start searching. Who else do I need to let go of? And that, right, right. And that's a part of it, yeah. Yeah, and all of a sudden you're, you're tagging people like, okay, now we're going to start shooting fish in a barrel at this point. Yeah. We're going to say, hey, how do I replace this with more positive, out- positive people, positive outcomes? Oh, it makes total sense. It makes total sense. I think also, though, that it can be a process for people, it is you know, it's, 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 it's not, I think for people, it's important to understand that that it takes time because yeah. there's a lot of emotional aspects to that too, but totally, totally true though. Completely true. Once you've, you're out in the cave, you're in a cave and you see sunlight you're like, and you feel it at warmth on your face. Yes. You're like, I need more warmth on my face. <laughs> yeah. But if you don't get them to the warmth, then that becomes a decision, right? Where you can't Correct. complain. You can't complain that it, it so the thing about it Aaron, is that I, you now feel some of the sun and now the person comes to throw shade you're complaining about the shade or are you going to go towards the sun now there's a decision yeah, right and that's there's a decision so i like to push people <laughs> you know my my client is born and said uh he said an instructor professor told him you need a strong coach who would not listen to your bs <laughs> <laughs> Right. Because you're right. really good at it. And, 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 you know, you're, you're very charismatic and people will believe your BS. You need a strong coach. And I'm like this. Well, good. <laughs> cause that's not, cause I don't want to hear that. Right. So yeah. it's when you push people towards decision, sometimes people need to, they, they need the nudge or they need, they need to know that it's okay to let people go. We're not taught that. We're, we're told that we should let everybody drag us down forever. And you should be grateful that you have friends Whereas opposed to when it comes, you know, when it comes to, to living in destiny and get to the next level, that's not your friend. <laughs> yeah. No. So yeah. Uh, people aren't giving us permission to let people go. We think that we want to bring everybody with us. And, and, and I say, well, you can't. What does Steve Harvey say? If, if you're on this, if you're on this wagon, you better be pushing. Like, right. you know, I can't, <laughs> I can't get the wagon up the hill, dragging 10 people with me. Everybody right. has to be doing their part. And we're not, we're, as a society, actually, it's just around the world. We are not given permission to be selfless and selfish to to be free. Because when you're free, you can come back and free other people and that uh, want to be free. And, and we're not right that want yeah, to be, yeah, that want to be free. So wow, I tell you what, that is a uh, is very powerful, and I think it's an awesome way to kind of wrap this up here. Uh, I've just been very uh, fascinated by a lot of the things you've told me. I think you are definitely a storyteller. I've enjoyed listening <laughs> to all of your different experiences. And I love your honesty uh, of all of your experiences. It's your story. And I think your story will inspire other people 
and their stories for that. That's I, you know, you've done so many great things, and I, I saw that through LinkedIn, but I wanted to get the emotion, the heart about it, and I think you're very good at putting that out there yeah. for other people to see. So I'm really grateful, Christy, for you giving me some of your time today. Oh, thank you. It's, it's interesting because when I first was, when I was healed and, 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 and God was like, get to writing this book. I wanted to, my second book is called Heal Your Brokenness. I wanted to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And, and cause I never wanted to tell my story. I never wanted to talk about how I suffered because winners never want to talk about <laughs> right. that we right. actually had pain. And, and God was like, no, you can't write that book. Like, and, and if you know me there and you would see, you'd be like, shit, how are you going to tell me to heal my brokenness? You're happy. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Okay. So my first yeah. book I had to write was called Shackled to Success. And that's, that's the book I never talk about because that was the book of my career where mm. I had, I had created success that I had become trapped in. And I wanted to throw up five times before I wrote that book, like before I published it, because, and I gained 10 pounds. I ate like three gallons of ice cream and, <laughs> because now I have to relive all the stories yeah. that I experienced. And, and now I'm like, why did I stay so long? Like now it's, it's the, the slow bleed of 16 years now culminated in, in the picture of, you know, in your face. And so I say all that to say, I, I was so nervous to publish that book because what will the world say about me? And what will people mm-hmm. think about me? And what will my mentees think? And what will my white friends, right? And, and yeah. the, the men who never knew how much I suffered. And, and I had to get over myself to be able to serve. And that publishing that book and not dying of shame. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. Is, and that was a 16 is, so I'm, 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 I'm here now, but it took a slow process for me to become very transparent and telling my story and not being uh, a victim, right? Like some people tell their stories and, and they're victims in the story. I want to be able to tell my story from a place of clarity and a place of power yeah. and be able to, to inspire people to shift and move. And that took a long time. And I, I don't want anybody to read my post and ever think that I'm saying, what was me? Because I'm not. And, and um, so I would think that, you know, part of Harvard and just being transparent in the story and learning how to tell it has been. And, and then seeing how, because a lot of women inbox me the first day that I wrote the book, they're like, I can't put it down. Like you're, you're telling my story. And yeah. now understanding at this level of leadership is about being transparent and saving people from themselves. This is what I have to do. So. Um, so it's, it's my pleasure it's, and I love it because it's, it's, it's real, it's raw, it's straight up, it's, it's straight, no, you know, what is it? Uh, straight, it's no chaser. No, no hard, yeah, no holds bars. That's right. No chaser. Yeah. Straight straight no up, chaser. We're having straight up bourbon here. I you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. With a little bit yeah. of ice and a um, little, little bit, little bit. <laughs> Just, I don't know. I like it. I don't, I don't want any you ice. Like your, yeah. <laughs> I like to straight. I, I, I like my straight too. So, yeah. but, but the only way I think, you know, and this is a, a different level of leadership for me is my quest now is to save leaders from themselves because we're not 10. I, w- I was talking to some at our Harvard, Harvard union a couple of weeks ago. I'm at a table with about eight people, eight of the people at the table. We all had or had the same challenges. They have the same challenges I had. Does that make sense? Yeah. Working too much, not spending time with family, feeling guilty about not being fulfilled, da, 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 da. And so they said, uh, what can we do to change the world? What can we do to impact the world? This is how Harvard people think, right? Like, what can we do right. to impact the world? And I said, you know what? How, how about this? <laughs> how about you all become healthy, happy, more productive, spend time with your family, actually enjoy life. And, yeah. and, and, and reap the fruit of your harvest without guilt. How about you do that? And then show, be an example to other leaders around the world on how they should do that. And they were all looking at me like, I said, that's the greatest gift that you can give humanity. That's what we're not doing. We're not, nobody is telling us that we should take care of ourselves and that we should, uh, you know, we, we only have so much capacity and you need to limit your circle so you can actually have energy for the things that matter most. And if you're not happy, it's okay to not be happy, but what are you going to do to change that? Oh, your life sucks and you drive uh, a a $200,000 car or you live in this, you know, the six bedroom house and you hate it. And, and because you you're trapped in your job now, it's okay to move to a two bedroom apartment. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Totally. Okay. It's a big deal. 
And if people <laughs> talk about you and say that you fail, well, is it better to be talked about, you know, and happy in a two bedroom apartment? Because Darren, I'm gonna say this, and I think this is it. They're gonna talk about you anyway. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. So just do what you need to do then. You know. Just do it. They just say do it. you you'll never be anybody. And then 16 years later, they say, who do you think you are? And I and that's what blew my mind the most, I would say. That was the turning point. I was like, they're never going to stop talking. So this is crazy. I quit. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> yeah. And there it is. Well, Christy, thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to catching up with you again another time. Okay, sure. definitely. Thanks so much. All right. Have a good one. All right. Bye. Bye.